Good morning, everyone. So good to be here. And um, thank Dr. Merritt for uh, having me come down. And actually, it's the other way around. He taught me how to do good preaching. And so I wanted to come down and, and learn from him. And, uh, you know, one of the things I enjoy about listening to Dr. Merritt, um, he comes on around uh, 8.30 where I am up in Pennsylvania on TBN. And one of the things that I really enjoy about Dr. Merritt is uh, his meritisms. You, you know, it's like, he says, you know, I'm so glad Jesus saved me. It's, I couldn't be happier than a tick on a hound. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when James says, if you're planning on doing something in the future, uh, don't assume you can do it. Just say, if the Lord wills. And so his thing is, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. <laughs> and then my favorite one is, he was talking about, how when you're trying to be nice to mean people and they just, just don't want to change, he says, you know, when the horse is dead, it's time to dismount. <laughs> and, and so I really enjoy him. And uh, as he introduced my wife earlier, uh, pray for us. It's going to be 39 years this, willing in, this year in June. And amen, amen. <laughs> And I'm just hoping that I'm not going to be like the man in this story. And um, he got into his older age, and he just became real cranky. I mean, he was just cranky. He was belligerent. He was just mean. He was just nasty. And uh, one day, he went to the grocery store uh, to buy just a couple things. And when he got to the checkout counter, he realized that he had forgotten his wallet. And so he decided to just walk out the store. And the clerk stopped him and said, sir, you, you have to pay for that. He said, I ain't got to pay for it. I mean, he's just being belligerent. I'm not going to pay for anything. I'm just walking out. I'm just paying. Sir, you really have to pay for this or put it back. I'm not putting anything back. And so he said, well, then I have to call the police. They call the police and police come and says, sir, please just give him the stuff back. He says, no, I'm not giving anything back. I, I, I could care less about you. You people are getting on my nerves. And the cop said, well, then I got to take you to the judge. So they take him to the judge. And he's even more belligerent. Why am I here? Why are you having me here just for these little judges? said, look. He said, you know what? I've had enough of you. How many cans did you take? He said, I took one. He said, well, what did you take? He said, I took some peaches. He said, all right. And the man said, why do you want to know about this, you old buzzard? <laughs> and the judge said, because I'm going to give you a day in jail for each peach that's in that can. How many peaches were in that can? He said, nine. He said, you're going to serve nine days in jail. And his wife slowly raised her hand and said, Your Honor, he also stole two cans of peas. <laughs> so today I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. I don't want you to think I have an ax to grind, and I don't want you to think that Dr. Merritt brought me in here to kind of put you in your place. But I want to encourage you, but I also want to challenge you. 
Because we're living in a day where the unsaved are doing what they're supposed to do. I don't know why we as Christians are getting upset with the way the world is acting as crazy as they are. They're supposed to act that way. My concern is the Christians. It's the Christians who aren't acting the way they're supposed to act. So I want to take you to a passage in Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 21, it says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Father, I come at this time on your behalf to speak to your people. I only ask, Father, that you would just take over, that your will would be done, that I would speak to your glory. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit at this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today I want to talk to you about the necessity for good enemies the necessity for good enemies. My wife said, that sounds like an oxymoron. How can an enemy be good? Well, you do need some good enemies. And so today I just want to help you change your perspective on the necessity for good enemies. Because it is with good enemies that God is going to work in your life to make you someone that you never thought you could be to make you a better prayer warrior, to make you a better witness, to make you a better disciple. And so the thing about enemies is this, because naturally we do everything we can to avoid pain. And then we view our enemies as preventing us from achieving our goals and freedoms. But today I wanna kinda give you some arguments as to why we believers need to change that perspective. Why we need to understand that when it comes to a sovereign God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, like firemen and policemen and soldiers who run into danger, not away. We as Christians need to run into the danger. But what is it that we try to do? Whenever pain comes, what do we want to do? We want to get rid of the pain. When we see someone in danger, we don't, we don't want them to stay in danger. We want to pull them out of danger. But when it comes to serving Jesus Christ, sometimes, folks, we just got to stay there. 
We just have to hunker down and say, for God I live and for God I die. There's a song that we used to sing when I was a boy. It was called, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. If I die, let me die. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And so, the first thing I want you to think about is this. Good enemies are needed to accomplish some of God's plans. Good enemies are needed to accomplish some of God's plans. What are you talking about, Reverend? Well, I wanna, I wanna show you something in verse 21, 23, and 24. Verse 21 in Matthew 16 says this. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed and raised the third day. Let's look at that for a second. Jesus is pointing out to his disciples, it's necessary for me to go into Jerusalem for some points. I'm going to have some people, I'm going to have some enemies waiting for me. Chief priests, elders, scribes, his own people. Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. But he needed good enemies. You want to know why? Because he needed the right people to get him on the cross. He needed the right enemy who would betray him, who would deny him. You see, Jesus cannot, could not have gotten to the cross if everybody liked him. He could not have gotten to the cross if everybody was supporting him. But the reason why he came was to die for sinners. The only way he could get to that cross. He was willing to go to the cross. He didn't have to be forced to go to the cross, but he chose to go to the cross, but he needed some good enemies, and it was his own. You know, the same thing is true for you. Sometimes it's your own kind that are your worst enemies. Some of the most discouraging people when times are tough aren't the unsaved, it's Christians. Sometimes Christians can be more discouraging about doing the will of the Lord. And it's just amazing. I remember when I was going to seminaries, I was, I, at that time I was a GS10 step three working for the Social Security Administration. And the Lord told me, I want you to leave your job. Now remember, I'm married with five children. All the wives are looking at me, oh, no, 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 no. I'm married with five children. My wife isn't working. And I come home proudly, honey, the Lord told me to go to seminary. And she said, well, where are you going to work? I said, I ain't got no job. <laughs> and so sure enough, I, I left. I mean, I had no parachute. I had no, literally, I had no parachute. And so... I leave the job a week later. A week later, the Lord gives me a job where I'm making more money, working less hours, and I can still go to seminary. Wow. I'm just saying is that sometimes there are people who mean well, but are really trying to keep you from doing what the Lord wants you to do. 
And, and so Jesus said that I got these enemies who are waiting for me. And then his other his second enemy is Matthew 16, 23, when Peter says, this will never happen to you, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. That's very interesting because earlier, I mean, in chapter 15, in the chapter 15, I mean, earlier in 16, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, my father's made that known to you. And then less than an hour later, Jesus, Peter is saying, you'll never die. And then Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. The father talks to Peter on one hand, Satan's talking to the another. What does that tell us? What that should tell us is that there are times God speaks to us. And right after he's done speaking to us and through us, here comes Satan. And we don't realize it's really Satan. We think it's a good idea. But you know what I found out? I think sometimes we need to stop and ask the Father, is that you or somebody else? Is that you or somebody else? But, but Satan was a real good enemy of Jesus. Satan was, a, he was so good that he riled up the whole nation against him. He even had, check this out, he even had one of Jesus' disciples to betray him. That's, that's how good an enemy Jesus needed. He needed somebody who was within his own. And then what's interesting about that, the Bible tells us on the night that Judas betrayed Jesus, it said, and Satan entered Judas. Is Satan in you? We need to understand that God will use a good enemy for his purposes. And then look at Matthew 16, 24. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Did you know that sometimes you're your own worst enemy? Stop blaming the devil. Stop blaming your wife. Stop blaming your husband. Stop blaming your children. Stop blaming the politics. Stop blaming. You, sometimes it's all you. You're the one who is causing more problems in your life than anybody else. Think about that. When a bad decision was made, who made it? And so... God wants us to know and understand that he uses good enemies for his purpose. Think about Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph? Is that his brothers hated him, sold him into slavery, thinking that it was done. Joseph is trying to be a, a good, righteous man. And what happens? It seems like the more he's righteous, the more life gets worse for him. And then he winds up in jail for something he didn't do. And then he helps a guy get out of jail and asked the guy, now remember me when you get to see Pharaoh? And the guy forgot about him. And here Joseph is there, and then all of a sudden the guy says, oh yeah, that's right, there's this guy in prison and he can help you, king. And then next thing you know, Joseph is second in command. 
And remember when his brothers finally come up to see him? They don't recognize him. And then Joseph reveals himself to them. And he says these words in uh, Genesis 50, 20. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Listen, he had to go through a whole lot to get to where God wanted him to get to. You know what I think sometimes? I think some of you here today, and I think that's why God wants me to share this with you today, is that some of you are going through something that's been a long time, and it hasn't been fair. I mean, it is just weighing you down. The, the trials, the tribulation, the pressure, it's, I mean, it's just overwhelming you. And it's not that you're not praying. It's not that you're not reading your scripture. It's not that you're not trying to live right. But it just seems like the more you try to do what's right, the more pressure comes on you. And God wants me to tell you this today. Just hold on. Just hold on. Your breakthrough is coming. Your breakthrough is on the way. But God wants you to recognize this enemy. Another argument that I would like to give to you is this. Don't get in the way of a good enemy. Don't get in the way of a good enemy. Jesus says, I have to go and suffer many things from the elders, the scribes, and the chief priests. And I'm going to die, but I'm going to get up three days later. And what does Peter say? Oh, no, this will never happen to you. That's what I mean by don't try to get in the way of a good enemy. Because, you see, God is getting ready to use you on a level that you didn't think was possible. Some of you sitting here today are fearful of certain attacks because you think you can't handle it or you think it's going to be too painful. But I want to encourage you because 95% of what you think is going to happen won't even happen. And what I've also learned is that when I yield to the Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, and even, you know, you know God wants you to do something and your heart just starts racing. Anybody been like that? God, you really, are you sure you want me to do it? I, 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 don't, think, I don't think so, God, you know. That was, that was a mean woman over there, and you want me to go do what? God, he, he, he comes in the house, and, 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 and he just walks in and, and turns on his remote, and dan 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 and here I am struggling with these kids, and he doesn't even acknowledge me. He flops down in that chair, and you want me to do what? Fix what? Yeah, God has a way. He's a funny guy. God's a funny guy when he asks us to do certain things. And so don't get in the way of a good enemy because God is getting ready to do something miraculous in your life. And here's a question I have, to, here's a question I have for many Christians today. Are you trying to serve God on your own terms? Are you trying to serve God on your own terms. God, is, as long as the pain is minimal, I serve you. God, as long as it doesn't cost me financially so much, 
I'll be glad to give to the ministry. Are you trying to serve God on your own terms? God, this is too hard. This is too painful. This is not fair, God. I've, I've, I've lost my house. I've lost my family. I've lost my health. Jesus is saying, oh, really? How about what I lost? How about what I lost to save your sorry soul? You were messed up, jacked up. But you know what? The worse you were, the more I wanted you. The more you tried to run from me, the more I chased after you. I was like a good hound dog and tracked you down right where you were. Aren't you glad Jesus found you right where you were? Aren't you glad you didn't have to come on his terms? Aren't you glad that God loved you this just the way you are? Aren't you glad that God saw you right where you are, that God healed you right where you are? God gave you hope and peace and joy right where you are. He fixed you up, turned you around, and placed your feet on a solid ground. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. I'm about to preach up in here. I'm about to preach up in here. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be Baptist. I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't know, again, Sturm Check may change my voice. You know, we, we sometimes, every once in a while, we preach, hey, Lord, <laughs> Jesus. You know, if, if, I, if I start to do that, there ain't nothing wrong with me. It's just I'm feeling good. It's all right. It's all right. I'm starting to, starting to feel good about this thing. So, I, you know, another thing is this. Good enemies help remind us of our mission. Good enemies help to remind us of what our real mission is. You know, COVID has distracted us. It really has distracted us, but God's a funny guy, you know? Two years ago, we, we were just worried about this disease, right? And then we're trugging along there and everything is shut down. And just when we, we think that COVID's gonna get better, all of a sudden, George Floyd happens. <laughs> And then just as we're getting over George Floyd happens, then the election happens. And then as soon as, as, soon as we get over the election, then the, uh, the atrocity of January the 6th happens. And just as soon as we think that that's starting to settle down, then here comes the Delta virus. And as soon as we think the Delta virus is done, here comes the Omicron virus. And then as soon as we think we're done with the Omicron virus, here comes Putin. I mean, God is a funny God. But you know what I think he's trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us you got some good enemies. You got some good enemies. But I need you to be strong. I need you to stop trying to fight some things and get back to what I called you to. And so here it is. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns but human concerns. If you don't get anything else out of this, here's my point. Suffering is a part of Christianity. It is an integral part of Christianity. Salvation and suffering are inextricably linked together. And if you're wondering why you aren't suffering, ask yourself, am I carrying my cross? 
What do you mean, Reverend? Am I carrying my cross? You, you're talking about carrying the cross. Man, we all have burdens. We all have trials and tribulations. No, that's not the cross Jesus is talking about. The cross that Jesus is talking about is going out there and witnessing and going out there and being disciples. You know, it's great. It's great that you give financially to missions. It's great that you pray for missionaries. But you know what I think is better? Rather than praying for missionaries, why don't we pray with missionaries? And you cannot pray with missionaries if you're not out there yourself. You see, again, we don't, we don't want pain. But God is trying to tell us is that if we are going to change this world, we are going to have to be willing to take some hits for Jesus. He took 40 for us. They put a crown of thorns on his head for us. They ripped him open for us. The least we can do is share with somebody that Jesus saves. Stop saying, come visit my church. No, show them Jesus Christ first and then bring them the cross point. Because what happens if Dr. Merritt's not preaching today? <laughs> we got to take up our cross because Jesus says, in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Pastor likes Luke 9, 24, where it says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily walk, y'all. I don't have to tell you that. But sometimes we get caught up in life, we forget all about that. But it's a daily walk because good enemies will help us die to self. Listen, anybody here married? Anybody here? Didn't you have to die to self? Because if you don't, you're going to strangle somebody. <laughs> marriage, marriage does that. I mean, marriage is great. Don't get me wrong. Marriage is a great institution. But you know, when you got two different people come together and have two different ways of thinking. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that, that's, that's for Dr. Merritt's marriage retreat, yo. <laughs> but he says you have to deny yourself. And what does it mean to deny yourself? To deny yourself means this, is that your life is no longer about you. Your life is all about what God wants. That, that's what denying yourself means. It doesn't mean you, you can't save and have a nice house and a nice car and, and savings. It, it, does, it doesn't mean that. That's not denying yourself. Denying yourself is not moving into the mountains and not having any electricity and no modern convenience. That's not denying yourself. That's just living out in the wild. <laughs> denying yourself means is that my life is no longer mine because I've been bought with a price. And therefore, I'm going to glorify God with my body. And if it means that I have to give an enemy some food, anybody here got enemies? Is there anybody here that, that, that you can think of a person's name and just all the energy just sucks out of you? Oh, 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? As soon as you see them, you're like, oh. As soon as you see their number on your phone, you know you're hitting ignore. <laughs> or you hit the button, uh, can I call you back? And you have no intentions of. There are just some people who are like that. But you know, to those who think that Christianity doesn't take all that, you remind me of what Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, said back in, he was theologian back, I got to say, the 1930s and 1940s. I can't say 30s and 40s anymore, 1930s, 1940s. He said this, those people want cheap grace. They, they want cheap grace. People who, who don't want suffering, they, they want cheap grace. And so when I think about cheap grace and today, people want grace without price. But grace costs because grace came with a price. The Jesus, when he saved us, it cost him everything. Then you have some people who want discipleship without a cross. No, no, no. Discipleship comes with a cross. Jesus said, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. Those are action words. So Jesus wants us to pick up our cross daily. Stop trying to rely on cheap grace. Because it wasn't cheap grace that saved me. Jesus had to give up his life. He had to humble himself. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I've been healed. Lord, I, I thank you. And so just remember this. When you're carrying your cross, then expect to get crucified. Oh, y'all not hearing me. I said when you're carrying your cross, expect to get crucified because Jesus carried his cross with the expectation of being crucified. But here's the thing. When you get crucified, then expect to get up because Jesus said they're going to kill me, but in three days, I'm getting back up. And then when you get back up, then expect to be exalted because Philippians 2 says, and he's been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. And when you get exalted, then expect to be glorified. Somebody get me, make me something. When you carry your cross, expect God to work it out for you. And so before I take my seat, I just want to encourage you, Dr. Merritt, I know it's been rough serving all these years. And I know there are some times that you cry. And I know there are some times that you just didn't know if you're going to make it. But I want to remind you that Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says that if you suffer with me, you're going to reign with me. Cross point, I want you to know that you've been serving Jesus for a long time. But I stopped by to tell you now is not the time to quit. 
Now is not the time to get weak. But now, now the time is for you to rise up in the name of Jesus. Because if Jesus, if Jesus hadn't let you go through some things, you never would have known that he could be a healer. If you had never been sick, you never would have known that he's a healer. If you had never been going through a bad marriage, you never would have known that God would be your husband. If you had never had anybody walk out on you, you never would have known that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I thank God for my good enemies. I thank God that I had good enemies. I thank God, like the psalmist says, as good that I've been afflicted because now I learned your statutes. Yes. If when you give the best of your service, telling the world, that the Savior has come. Be not dismayed when men don't believe you, because he'll understand and say, well done. But if you try and fail and in the trying, hands sore and scarred from the work you've begun, take up your cross, run quickly to meet him, he'll understand and say, well done. Ooh. When I come to the end of my journey, we're of life and the battle is won. Carrying the staff and the cross of redemption, he'll understand and say, well done. Father, I thank you for this privilege to share with your people. May they take your word applied in their lives and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.